2: Defense, Arkansas, and
3: they take it away. McDaniel will end it in style. Arkansas is in hog heaven. They've won the first ever national championship.
1: A lot of you know exactly where you were, who you were with, and what happened the night that Arkansas, as you heard from Jim Nance, won that national championship in 1994. Now he's still doing the Masters. He's still going to be doing the NFL with Tony Romo. This is going to be his thirty-second Final Four, and Tommy, I think it's kind of fitting. It's in Houston. Yeah, his Where own he town. was college.
3: Yeah, he, his college town, and that's exactly right. And you know, his roots to the to the Masters, and that's that's truly his his first love is the Masters. And I've heard him talk about wanting to do fifty Masters broadcasts. He's got a little wow. ways to go at sixty three years old, though. You just do the math and you think about thirty two Final Fours and where he was at, you know. And, and starting out in his career, he started in 1986 uh, doing the studio show uh, for the NCAA tournament and has been with CBS since the mid-'80s. So, uh, storied career, you know, that that's how those those type of ones, the great ones, get started. Late 20s, early 30s. Joe Buck, the same way, kind of born into it. His college roommate for Jim Nance was Fred Couples, so he, he has a, a connection to golf through that. So, I think it's... Uh, it's probably time. Kind of like Joe Buck turned the, the World Series over to somebody else by moving on to ESPN. That's the thing about these jobs. When someone holds them 20, 30, 40 years, there's a great bevy of broadcasters, a great stable of broadcasters that never get a chance to do that event. That's just the way it goes. But good for good for Ian Eagle and the fact that he'll get a chance at one of the elite events in sports, mm-hmm. and that's the Final Four.
1: Apparently, Nance is going to come back and do the trophy presentation every year. He's going to watch the games in the stand with his kids and his grandkids and then go get up on stage and do the... Did they make the right move going with Ian Eagle, who I think is great? Or should they have gone with Kevin Harlan? Who's with I think Kevin Harlan
3: is, is better. Now That's just that's my preference. I think Kevin Harlan should have been the number one guy Fox went after when Joe Buck left. I think Kevin Harlan's better than a lot of the a lot of the uh the Fox fact He'd be better than any of the Fox announcers. But um I, I think Harlan should have been the number one choice in my opinion.
1: If you got some comments on that, feel free 877 377 6963 We're going to talk to Tom coming up in just a second get his thoughts on Auburn and what he thinks about that. Yeah, but just a a kind of wild news that we got from from that
3: not not really unexpected either because uh you know jim's reached that point in his career as you know nance has done and i think he really wants to you reach a point where you've done all this work you've made all this money i'd like to be in that boat or you can slow down you know he lives at pebble beach you wake up out there you, you look at that golf course you look at the ocean you, know, you want to do more of it and uh the final four is one of those events where you go directly from the final four to augusta georgia there's probably some merit if you if you ask Jim Nance about the timing of all this. He, he would probably like to have more time to focus on being in Augusta a little earlier, doing some prep, you know, uh, maybe being able to tell some of those backstories. Remember, he generally does like a 30-minute to one-hour Jim Nance presents deal at Augusta every year. That might be something he wants to focus on more, but there's no question uh, Augusta National and those broadcasts are the number one thing to him, so... Ah, uh, this will this will perhaps give him more time in the days leading up to Augusta to do that because it'll take likely all the college basketball off of him. He he will, he won't be doing any of those two or three games he did leading up to the tournament mm-hmm. plus the three weeks of the tournament. It'll free up a month month and a half of his entire schedule.
1: Let's see what Tom thinks about it. Tom, good morning. Appreciate you joining us as always. Before you came on, we were discussing Jim Nance, his final Final Four this upcoming season. Just your perspective on. What he's been to the NCAA tournament?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if legendary is there, but it's it's very close. I mean, he's he's always had that calm delivery and uh, uh, a joy to listen to. Doesn't make himself really the the story, which you know can happen sometimes. So I think he's been good for the game.
3: Yeah. I just think about his schedule. You, know, you start the NFL, do a preseason game, maybe two. You know, Some of those aren't obviously on national TV, but you, know, you start with the NFL in August. That wraps up you know, in, in a Super Bowl year in February, but he'll do a conference championship game, so you're looking at late January, uh, and then the Masters is in April. There, there's just not a lot of, of downtime when you, uh, when you keep college basketball in there for the better part of a month. Um, you know, when he gets done with Augusta, then he's got May and June, part of July. Then you're back to it. So this this will give him a little more freedom in his schedule at the age of sixty
2: three. Yeah, you know, and when you're as good as he is, you're going to be in demand, and that is a a pretty taxing schedule. Um, and you know, I think one of the areas where I see, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but game prep is a big deal. Like how well you know the rosters and all, and we've seen some Arkansas football games this year where. Some of the announcers didn't quite know the rules and, and missed pronounce you know I mean said names of people that were the same number on the other roster and stuff. So Jim Nance is a surely a, a great professional.
1: Let's talk about Auburn, Arkansas, Tom. K J Jefferson didn't throw last week. I know that people are excited to have him back. When you look at this quarterback battle between Ashford and Jefferson, how much of an advantage does Arkansas have?
2: Uh KJ is clearly the more polished passer and I mean I don't think Ashford is I don't think they're gonna try to change what they do. Um I, I mean they can they can give him a, a few more passing things to exploit what other folks have done against Arkansas, but I don't think it's gonna be um to the extent of say a Spencer Rattler or Jason Shelley or even um um Jaron Hall two weeks ago at BYU. These are these guys are established, you know, big time passers and Robbie Ashford is is a great runner who's becoming a better passer. So um I think it's a clear advantage of Arkansas because K J is is already there. Um, you know, if there's one facet of the offense that has struggled this year, well there's a couple red zone's been one and one of the reasons they've struggled in the red zone is the ball security. And K J and Rocket Sanders, your two most, you know, primary ball handlers. Are the the guys who had that, and so um, I, I dare say, if they only had a couple of fumbles instead of the handful, um, they would have beaten A and M, and you know they'd be in. A, they would have handled Missouri State a little better. Uh, so I don't know. Adv- clear advantage to Arkansas in this one on, at quarterback.
1: Tank Bigsby abused you last time you played in Jordan Air Stadium. How key is it, Tom, for Arkansas's defense to stall him early to kind of put a lot of pressure on Ash- Ashford in this game?
2: Yeah, that's going to be a big part of the game plan is to making sure Bigsby doesn't run all over him. And um, it, it, the thing is, getting the guy to hit him. This is what Sam Pittman talked about yesterday: getting contact on him before he can get momentum. Uh, he's been a tackle breaker against Arkansas. Um, if there was one thing, one big takeaway from the game two years ago, kind of in the rainy, wet conditions, was Bigsby was running through arm tackles, and I don't know how many it was, but it was a lot. And he was a freshman back then. And um, they know he's such a big plank in their game plan. Um, he helped lead them back against Ole Miss when they ran for a ton of yardage. So um, it, it is it is extraordinarily important that they slow him. And him and Ashford are going to run a lot. You know, it's kind of like Rocket and KJ. They're going to run a lot. And, um, and uh, if Arkansas can contain him some, get them in third and mediums, third and longs, and make Ashford have to throw it or scramble for it. They'll be a lot better off.
3: You know, you look at this game on paper. Is it, is it just as simple, Tom, as run the ball? If Arkansas runs the ball, they should win the game. Um, Arkansas's favored going in this. You look at where Auburn's at with their rushing defense last in the league, one nineteenth 19th or whatever in the country. Is it as simple as just run the ball?
2: Well, I do believe Arkansas is going to, you know, they, they know all those stats. They know what type of run game they do have. And maybe you can control the game that way if you can put seven points on the board at the end of a lot of these drives. Um I, I do believe it's still going to be a tight game. Um, I said going into the BYU game, they've got to find a way to get off the field. And they did that, you know, between the pick, the fourth down stop, and the Dwight McLaughlin strip, they and, and a couple of other stops, they they got off the field a few times. And they, they need to do the same in this Auburn game. And if they hold the turnover margin about even or or win it, um, I think they've gotten themselves a path to victory.
3: You know, you look at this series. It, it, you know, we know that Arkansas has had some down years in the last decade, but Auburn's won eight of the last nine, and the one win came in fifteen. We can talk about twenty twenty in a different line if you won, but Arkansas still lost it. Arkansas's one win came in four overtimes. Why has this been so lopsided? Obviously, other than you know, Auburn's had some ups and downs throughout that 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 tenure. Why do you think this one has been so lopsided over the last decade?
2: Well, there was a few mismatches in there, um, and honestly, the fifty-six to three game, whatever that was, mm-hmm. under Brett Bielema, that one was kind of like one of the first nails in Bielema's coffin. That they just got pounded down there so badly. Uh, I think the game meant a lot to Gus Malzahn. I think their offense matched up well against the arkansas defensive personnel through those years um you know the chad morris years were pretty handy victories i mean they they played them relatively close down there and i guess it was 2018 um but it, it's just been uh, auburn's talent has won out i mean last year arkansas was favored and you know if if the chalk had held in that game maybe they should have won but auburn got a big uh, post-pattern touchdown early in the game and, and got the strip sack in the end zone for a touchdown. I mean, that's been a big bugaboo for them. They had a punt block at Auburn two years ago for a touchdown. They had the uh, strip sack in the end zone last year for a touchdown. So um Arkansas has got to keep from hurting itself. And and honestly, Deshaud Stewart should have had one of the, the biggest plays of his career when he tackled Jarquez Hunter behind the line and I don't know why they they ruled I mean he grabbed and started to tackle him and the ball came out and for some reason he was ruled in the grasp. So um you know they need to they need to catch a break from the officiating as well.
1: Let's talk about that for a sec. Twenty ten, Tremaine Thomas, he punches the ball out before the goal line, Auburn touchdown. Twenty thirteen, defensive guys get left in the elevator, maybe it's the offensive guys. 2020, we know what happened with Bo Nix. There's also a player two in that 2010 game as well. Why do weird things always seem to happen in Jordan Hare Stadium, Tom? <laughs>
2: That's a great question. Um, they've had some big wins down there too. Um, the the Darren McFadden 2006 game. Um, Reggie Fish had a huge play in that game. Uh, but yeah, uh, there has been um, a lot of strange events. Uh, it was the offensive coaches, a uh, Jim Cheney. Mm-hmm. It might have been something from both sides, but I know that Cheney was caught up in there in a, a tie game at halftime, and then uh, they can't communicate halftime adjustments. And um, you know, Auburn runs away in the second half. Uh, the backward spike, just an unfortunate thing. You know, you as you as a lead official, you expect it to be a clean spike, and you know, I guess he blew his whistle, and then.
3: Yeah, Joe he had a Fouché muff
2: snap
3: w- too. On top of that,
2: yeah, m- muff snap, and he spikes it backward, and Joe Fouché scrambling the whole time. I've I've watched the replay of it recently, and it I guess it rolled up and maybe hit an official in the foot. There is one Auburn guy trying to get the ball, and Fouché beats him to it. Um, I do think, however, on 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 the replay, uh, it would have been hard to award Arkansas possession because the whistles hit. I mean, it was just unfortunate. It was miscalled, uh, but unfortunate. And But had they done that and said, hey, you know, Fouché wound up on the ball, um, that would have been a win in Auburn two years ago.
1: You spoke to special teams a, a short while ago. I know they're, they're going to be big if this is a tight one this Saturday. I think a lot of people expected Isaiah Satania to contribute. I think he got in a little bit during this last game against BYU. He's been dealing with an ankle injury Tom, do you think they should redshirt Satania? I think you asked that question to Coach yesterday.
2: Well, that came from someone else, but um, I, I think they'd like to because they want to get some productive years out of him when he's like a mainstay in the rotation. Um, but I think the game plan would be to play him in only two of the remaining five games. If he's you know, if he's ready to go, if he can contribute, play him in two, and then hold him out for a bowl game. And so uh, that's kind of a, a nice enticement for the freshmen. You know, we're going to play in three games during the year, and then you get to play in the bowl game, and it's, you know, free play time, and uh, you still keep your red shirt. And I think that would be the ideal scenario for him.
3: Tom, what would be the bigger deal for this team this year, winning going into the bye, which they've done, or winning coming off of the bye on the road at Auburn?
2: <laughs> well, they're both big. I mean, if you lose this game, you're in last solo in the SEC West. And, yeah, it's, it's a very, very tough division. Um, you know, if you don't show up week to week, you lose the game. Um, I do think it's a relatively good matchup for Arkansas. And if it was at home, I'd consider them to be a a pretty handy favorite. Uh, as it is, they're a small favorite down there. I don't think Auburn's given up the rope and the way they fought back against Ole Miss was something. Um, you hear from the quotes on the players. Um, there's a large percentage of guys who, you know, Back Brian Harson, and even though the writing appears to be on the wall, I, I think that the thing I would question would be if you get behind, um, and the fans maybe turn a little bit and they boo or whatever. Then what? How much do they hold the rope in game on that? So um, I don't know if we'll see that scenario, but um, it's a possibility. Uh, but I do think it's huge for Arkansas to win this game. Um, you know, I, I hark back to they lost an A and M game they should have won, so they should be two and two. Can't change that, but if they can win this one and um, you know beat the other West teams that are coming up on their schedule, LSU and Ole Miss, um, they have a chance to finish pretty strong.
3: Man, and a chance with a win in the next couple of weeks to 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 claim bowl eligibility in front of your fans in a non-conference game. Uh, this feels like a game that. You know not necessarily you have to win to get bowl eligible, but if you want to make any kind of run at all towards being back in Florida or something around New Year's Day. Um, this is a game you got to win.
2: Yeah, that's a great point, Tommy, and I, and I think you're right. Uh, if you fall to four losses in conference, last in the in the division, it's just a, it's a long way back. I, I mean, and and you look at these teams. Arkansas is about to play. Uh, it's going to take nice, strong efforts. You know against LSU and Ole Miss, and, and quite frankly, Liberty has an open date this week, and they're playing great ball. I mean, you look at their scores, they barely beat Gardner-Webb, so you think, wow, what, you know, what's wrong with them? But their only loss was by a point to Wake Forest, which is playing great football this year. They clobbered BYU last week. That game against Liberty for homecoming um, next week, that's going to be a tough game. So I, I think every game on the schedule is winnable and loseable rest of the way.
1: Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome Bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V. Bet online, where the game starts. First Western Bank. We are more than just a bank, we are your partner for all your financial services. First Western has real professionals with years of experience in banking, mortgage, insurance,
4: and investments, from financial services to personal and business insurance to investment products, mortgages, and small business banking first western with locations throughout northwest arkansas and the river valley and online at firstwestern.com exceptional financial
3: services all in one place first western bank member fdic equal housing lender
0: you're listening to the bud light morning rush podcast bud light proud sponsor of arkansas
2: athletics Smith taking Johnson off the dribble, lobs to Black for a throwdown. Wow, they fouled Anthony Black as well. What a feed by Smith. A little walking on air down there from the freshman. Hey, this is Darren McFadden. You're listening to the Morning Rush.
0: Live from the Bush Light Studio. Bush 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. On your favorite Arkansas sports talk station. Were you going to have a party here tonight, son? I don't know what that was all about. Streaming live from hitthatwine.com.
4: That seducer and spoiler must be stopped. He's extremely dangerous.
0: This is The Morning Rush with Ty Richardson, Tommy Kraft, and Chuck Barrett. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Stop what you're doing and listen. The Morning Morning Rush
1: starts right now. A- Welcome into to a Toyota Tuesday edition of the Morning Rush. Tommy, I, mean, I don't know how many times that you guys have ever led off with basketball in October in this show, but I'm going to give you the choice. You want to hear about what Sam Pimmon had to say <laughs> yesterday? Or do you want to hear about what I saw last night in Bud Walton Arena first when we can... Well, I, I, I think
3: if I say anything other than basketball, I'm going to disappoint you. So I better go basketball just to
1: uh, just to not make you sad. I'm I'm good either way. I enjoyed listening to Sam Pittman. He spoke can, about can, can we do can we do both here in, in the first segment? I think we can knock both of those out let's, if we let's need tree-top to top both of them. So if you got questions or comments on either this morning, 877-377-6963 as Arkansas plays it's first exhibition of the season against Roger State. No, not in Northwest Arkansas. It's a Claremore. Claremore, Og- Oklahoma. The Hillcats. That is the, uh, the team they faced off against last night. And if you were in attendance, you were treated to a fun performance. Several lobs, several highlight plays. This team is going to make you claw your eyes out with their freshman mistakes. And they're going to also make you jump up and down with some of the dazzling displays that will be on this season. Chuck said it yesterday, and I scoffed at it a little bit, but then I actually saw it in person last night. Anytime you mentioned Showtime associated with the basketball team, a.k.a. the Showtime Lakers, Magic Johnson, James Worthy, and all those guys, Kareem, Abdul-Jabbar, it's a little like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can quickly jump on board with that. But that team last night, when they get on the break, Anthony Black, is fun to watch. He's 6'8". Magic was 6'9". He's always got his head up looking for that that dynamite pass, and watching this team last night was just a lot of fun.
3: I listened uh, to some of it on the radio, heard Heard Musselman get a technical foul in the first half uh, with about eight minutes to go or something like that. I wasn't there, so you know, you'll have to be my eyes, uh, like most of the audience this morning. It looked like from the video you posted, you um, prior to the game it looked like the crowd was six five six thousand ish Is that right I'm, I'm basing it solely on your video maybe maybe okay i mean it looked like a much lighter crowd and i think the rain probably drove some people away yeah. just dreary night it's monday um i was hoping maybe a week night would free some people's schedules up clearly not and i think the rain didn't help uh it was a shame this game couldn't have been last saturday even on sunday afternoon i think you'd had a much different situation but it didn't it didn't affect the team 83 points let's be honest they could have scored 128 points if that's what they had chosen to do um you know this was exactly what it was supposed to be a top 10 team dominating a division 2 team
1: yeah and you got a chance to see every player Last night, Joseph Pinion, not too far up the road. he can <laughs> Just like for, I said, Pinion would lead the team in scoring. He, That's he, just what I said. <laughs> he can four threes, had 15 yeah. points a team high last night. Nick Smith started out. He had seven points. He missed some shots kind of down the stretch. He's going to play a lot more than he did in the season than he did last night. But Musselman's trying to tinker. He's trying to figure out hey, can this guy do this, this guy do that. They had almost 200 passes, which Eric Musselman always preaches on. I think they were 186 last night. A lot of assists, 21 assists for this basketball team last night. So they shared the rock. And defensively, you talk about a team that plays above the rim relative to last year playing below the rim this team was just getting after you, blocking shot after shot. Anthony Black pinned one off the backboard. That's what he's going to do this season. He's not the quickest moving laterally because he's eight, and a lot of point guards are going to be, if not everyone's going to be smaller than him. But he's going to have the catch-up and the range to come up behind and block shots exactly like he did last night.
3: 11 of the 15 Razorbacks at play. There's 15 Hogs at play. 11 of them scored, only two in double digits last night. The free throws are the thing, just, and I'm just... Basing a lot of this on box score, just just listening. So, uh, tell me if I get way off here, but the free throws are what jump out at you early. I mean, fifty four percent is not nearly good enough. Uh, What else jumps out at you is when you look at uh, the three point percentage for the game for uh, the Hillcats last night. Twenty five percent—that's a number you can live with. And for Arkansas, their three point shooting was thirty eight percent. That's that's way above probably where you need to be in the low. If you hit. 30-something percent, that's that's probably good enough to win you a lot of games. From the floor last night, Arkansas was 60%. That's not a number you can't sustain. So, I mean, you got out, you got to see some guys. This box score here and what it represents probably isn't going to go very far in this season.
1: No, it's it's going to be very different from what we see the rest of the way. Even Musselman mentioned the competition that is amped up this Saturday when they take on Texas, free throws, they got to hit them. They ended up actually being a really good free throw shooting team last year. I think there were 76%. That's something this team needs to work on. The three-point percentage both for you and against you was really good. If Arkansas is, we kind of talk about this with KJ. You want to be KJ in that 20 to 30 range. That means you're running the football and you're having success doing that. For Arkansas, if they're shooting less than 23s, that means they're probably getting to the rim at will and drawing fouls, drawing contact. That's something – that Eric Musselman wants to see a lot of FTAs this season, once they got last night, just got to knock them down. And then their closeouts, man. And la- so last night, think about this. Anthony Black, Nick Smith Jr., Trevin Brazil, Jalen Graham, and Jordan Walsh were your starters. Tommy, that's 6'8", 6'5", 6'8", 6'9", and then also 6'7". That was your starting lineup last night. And it's not to say it's going to shake out like that on Saturday, but you have so many options with just length. And they ran some three quarter press. They ran some half court press. They even ran some zone last night. There is so much of a defensive variety that Musk is going to have this season in his arsenal just because of what they can put on the floor at any given time.
3: All right, we're over our allotment in segment one for exhibition games. So we're going behind enemy lines this week. We can get some football in here. Brought to you by Ag Up Equipment. Find them online at agup.com, your official John Deere dealer. 16 locations in Arkansas and Mississippi. And by First Community Bank. Uh, founded and headquartered in Batesville, Arkansas. 32 locations across Arkansas and southern
1: Missouri I have mapped out my barbecue spot Tommy like as I did <laughs> well, I'm for you glad we in got to Provo. that before we are gonna hear yeah. what
3: Pittman has to say that,
1: that that's exactly what I wanted to know about bow and arrow on Thursday <laughs> night is apparently a really good spot in Auburn but I was listening KJ to, be damned where are we eat yeah, brisket at? I was uh I was listening to Pittman yesterday talk KJ did not throw this past week, he's got a sore shoulder, not injured. I want to be clear on that, a sore shoulder. So he's getting ready for that. They talked about the health that we'll get into a little later on of Drew Sanders, of Bumper Pool, getting them back, trying to get Chavis and Miles and, and Kari and then Jaden. I mean, there's a lot of guys on this roster that have been playing hurt that you're trying to get healthy for this week. Sam Pivot also talked about making a run down the stretch, which they were able to do last year, I think winning four of their last five. If I remember that right from last season, you love to win five of five to close out this season. Well, if you do that,
3: you're going to end up being a ranked team. You put yourself back in play for Florida. I mean, obviously that would put you uh, ahead of last year. That's a a big ask. Uh, You know, obviously you know what the math is to get back to to that eight win total. So um, you've got to win this game this week. It's, you know, and you got to, you know, the old adage, one game at a time, but I mean, you just look at it. It's Arkansas, it's Auburn, Liberty, Missouri are the must wins out of these last five. Then somehow you hope to split uh, the one and the two conference games at home mm-hmm. against two teams that you know right now, you know, top fifteen type teams. <laughs>
4: No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning $150,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks bet on up to five player prop over unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league including nfl nba mlb pga mma and nascar sign up now with promo code htl at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this.
1: NoHouseAdvantage.com Promo code HTL
0: you're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories.
1: I was driving the other day in, in Arkansas and I saw a great sunset. And I was trying to think what's the prettiest side I think I've ever seen. And I, I would say it was probably driving to Chapel Hill earlier this year and through is it the Appalachian Mountains, the Tennessee, the, Smoky, the Mountains. Smoky Mountains or whatever. That was, to me, the prettiest scenery I think I've ever mm-hmm. seen. And people were wondering, why are you driving 15, 16 hours? One, because I wanted to see Knoxville, Two, I just, I'd heard so much about it. But that that stretch into North Carolina was the coolest I think I've ever seen. And then in-state, probably Mount Magazine tops the list for me. You know, I, I am ashamed to say, I've been to Nebo, I've been to
3: Pettigene, I don't live an hour from magazine. I have never been on top of that thing
1: in my life. Well, I've never been to Nemo and I was an hour away in Little Rock, right? It's about an hour. Stardale. darned Yeah. It's I mean, it's pretty close. So if you, you know, feel bad about that, I should feel bad about Nemo.
3: I have no excuse, but uh, yeah, that, that's one place that
1: uh, your highest point in Arkansas. So Got to do it at some point. Right, you got plenty of time. You got plenty of years left. I hope you're right. <laughs> Knock on wood. I hope years you're left. right. So what about this football team down the stretch? Simeon Blair is the guy that I want to talk about for just a sec. I think he should start if everyone's back healthy. Think he he He's a guy that has taken over the captain role, has seemingly taken over the communication role. But when I watch games, he's the one that's consistently getting beat. And I, I'm not trying to individually but I'm just telling you what I see. Well, and I feel like you probably share that same sentiment. Well, I mean, you know, being at the game at
3: BYU, it became, you know, really obvious watching in person from kind of an overhead vantage point that that we had where we were sitting in the box watching the game. And, it, you know, if you're going to be a senior captain, I think you, you're there's some level of expectation and a level of play that goes along with that. This secondary is just, you know, it's got issues. You know, there's just no question about that. You know, everybody wants to beat up on Hudson Clark, but when you look at, you know, he, he makes some plays during the game. Yeah, I, is he a better safety than corner? I think so, but, I mean, again, I think it's kind of like offensive line. Sometimes you got to mix and match, left to right, guard to tackle. Sometimes, I think in that secondary, you're trying to figure out what you could do. The problem is Arkansas can't play man. You know, there's just not enough spots that you can go play man on be, on the best wide receiver and, and shut him down. You don't have that one guy that can take their one guy and just, you know, go in there and break up passes and and just,
1: just wear them like a sweater. Which you had in Monteric Brown last week, and that was something I said before the season. You don't have a true cover corner on this team. And I guess Nudie's been sort of that, but even he's gotten beat on various occasions from time to time. I think with Hudson in the back end, if he's playing safety, he's not good in run support. We've seen him get blown up a couple times, he's but light. he's really good at reading what's going on in the passing situation. So it's a little give and take, right? Like Miles, for example, really good in run support. Jalen, for example, really good in run support. That's not Hudson's strength. But we saw that pick last week, excuse me, two weeks ago against Jaron Hall. That's just a replay. He read the quarterback, made a great play on the ball. And he's had a couple. I mean, he almost picked off Rodgers. He's, I think, had one or two more where he's read the eyes of the QB. He just hadn't come down with it. That's just, I think, the difference between the two, or I said the two, the three individuals is the run support aspect.
3: You know, Arkansas right now is just trying to survive. You know, with with the secondary they have, but, but Hudson Clark, with what you have available, you know, at least at BYU, he's one of your best five, four, five that you got to put out there. I mean, if you're going to drop eight, how does he not be on the field? He, he's one of your best
1: three or four out there without question. I don't think you drop eight this week. This Ashford kid can't throw. He's under fifty percent. I think he's got five TDs and four picks. He's just not that good. Now, of course, even if
3: you're dropping six or seven and rushing four you've, you know, Hudson Clark still has to be out. That, my point is
1: there's not any scenarios where Hudson Clark's not on the field for you right now based on your personnel. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if you didn't see four down linemen this week based on Ashford and Tank Bidsby's ability to run the football and his lack thereof of the ability to throw the football. I think you're going to see a lot more. You might even see three linebackers more prevalent and with Poop Drew Sanders, and Mumperpool. that gives Drew a chance to rush on the outside, which is his strength He's leading the SEC right now in six and a half sacks. Hasn't been as impactful these last couple of games because he it seems like he's more boxed in in that three-two-six that they've been running. I think that you'll see a lot more than that. And the other thing I was thinking about: can you use the injuries as an excuse coming off this bye? And I know some Phil says it best. Sometimes it's it's the reason or the excuse. But if you get Jaden, Kari, Malik, and Miles back. Against Auburn, and you get carved up by a QB that has been bad throwing the football this year. What do you What do you say at that point? I,
3: don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean,
1: uh, stay in the I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I think defensively, Arkansas is going to have a, a mid game. They had a mid game against BYU. They weren't great. They weren't horrible. They made well, play. They forced three turnovers, which I think was a big deal. And that's what this team has to continue to do. But if you get carved up by this Ashford kid who hasn't shown the ability to throw the football all year and you get those four guys back that I just mentioned, I mean, it's, at a certain point, you got to throw the injury excuse out the window, especially if you get those four guys back.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you may be actually onto something here. That you know, you for rush the first for time. for the first time in football <laughs> strategy history. You may actually be onto something. Four down linemen, maybe put Pooh Paul in there, and then who are your best seven beyond the front line? You can figure out your front line, but then who are the best seven to put out there? Well, obviously, Drew Sanders, Bumper Pool are easy ones right now. I think Hudson Clark is in that group in the third level of the defense. I think that's kind of how you you start looking at it. And then from there, you know, McLaughlin probably is is one of those guys. And I think a guy that's going to make a move soon, it, as soon as he's, he's healthy, is uh, Kiari Johnson. I, I think number 19. I think I think that's the next one. We can talk about Slusher. We can talk about Jaden Johnson. Uh, maybe you don't have the nickel in there, like you said, because you put the extra down lineman. I like your idea of maybe getting Poole, Sanders, and poop Paul on the field at the same time
1: yeah i think chris has done enough to show that particularly as, against
3: a quarterback that's struggling to throw the ball
1: yeah as a young guy he has made some plays and i think he's going to continue to progress and get better he's the future of your linebacking core with drew and bumper mm-hmm. out the door bumper because of graduation i would be shocked if drew came back next year based on where he's currently slotted by some some nfl guys Again, you have to make Ashford beat you with his arm, not his legs this week. And he's going to scramble, and he's probably going to make a play or two with his legs. But you can't let him run amok and run wild against your defense this week. And I tend to agree with you about Hudson. I think he's shown enough that he needs to be on the field at some point at some position. I don't care if it's a corner. I don't care if it's at safety. But I come back to that question. If you get those four guys back that I mentioned, mm-hmm. is Simeon Blair, should he be on the field a good chunk of the time?
3: I think they're all going to play a good chunk of the time. I think there will be a rotation, but I like Clark in the middle rather than the corner. Blair's been a safety more so than the, in the middle of the field, so um, I'd say no, I'd rather have Clark out there based on the on the coverage. At least you know what you're going to get from Hudson Clark.
1: What do you think? 8773776963. You're welcome to jump in here. We're talking a little secondary and what Arkansas should do against Auburn. We'll also jump back into what we saw against Rogers State last night as well. Auburn's weakness is stopping the run. Arkansas should have a field day against this defense on Saturday. You would hope. Now, I'm curious what they fix. We're talking about what Arkansas is going to fix in the bye week. What does Auburn fix in the bye week? Mm-hmm. How is Brian Harson able to navigate his team to either the pits of despair or somehow, some way? Get out of this season alive. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that, but it doesn't start with the loss against Arkansas. If that's the case, you have to win this game if you're Brian Harson if you want to survive this season.
3: You look at Auburn passing wise, which has been Arkansas's defensive Achilles' heel. Auburn's only racked up 207 a game on the average. That's 13th in the con- in the conference and outside the top 100. Uh, what are they good at? Well, Leslie, uh, is it rushing the football? When you look at a rushing offense 170 a game 56 nationally eighth in the league their total offense uh, about 377 yards that's ninth in the league so you'd feel like this is a, pl- a place like you were saying earlier you can't get it done here against auburn you know what w- what's the next four games ahead of this one hold i mean it, it, it leaves you really kind of scratching your head after uh if you watch that game it doesn't go well so i'm expecting good things this week but what wrinkles are, are Auburn going to put in? This is Brian Harson's kind of last stand, if you will. This is a game that you don't win this one. I mean, as Chuck said it perfectly yesterday, they've written his obituary every week. Uh, they may be putting it more Sharpie this week if you lose this game. This is a game that I know what the records say, but Auburn people look at Arkansas as a game they should win every year. Yeah, That's their viewpoint. That's their perception of this program right now. So, you know, Arkansas uh, on paper – and that's why they're the betting line favorite should should go in just based on where Auburn's offense has been
1: and and what Arkansas has allowed. And just to remind everyone, you were ranked or excuse me, you were ranked and favored in this game last year and you lost. That was the first time I think in Sam Pittman's career that he was favored against an SEC opponent. And they came out flat in the second half. And we know how that guy, I think it was 38-23, the final five. Remember that, right? You hope that this team comes out from the jump hot. You also hope that Kendall Bryles opens up the offense like he did last week. Coach Pittman talked about that he had a conversation with Kendall earlier in the week. Open up the offense. Now, we have to, again, take somewhat you what you were able to do against biu with a grain of salt auburn's got better players they've got better coaches at least at least as advertised or whatever so you're not going to be able to at least you run the ball on these guys yeah they're the
3: worst rushing defense in the league you run the ball on these guys they're 119th nationally in rushing defense run Uh, the ball
1: Rocket Sanders, A.J. Green, Rashad DeBinion, K.J. Jefferson, even Dominique Johnson, there there should be a healthy dose of that. If you want to run a reverse with Jaden Hazelwood or Landers, whoever they kind of put out running that, do it. And you should be able to get on the edge. You should be able to rush between the tackles. You should be able to do a variety of things and just pound them to oblivion as you did against Penn State in the bowl game last year, as you've done against South Carolina this year they should assert their will that Joe Moore award midseason semifinalist offensive line should absolutely obliterate this auburn defensive line on saturday
3: you got a top 10 rushing offense with arkansas getting 240 a game second best in the league against one of the worst rush or uh, rushing defenses in the conference the worst and 119th nationally that that's You know, they talk about the game within the game. If Arkansas doesn't dominate that element of it, you don't win the football game. I mean, that's that's absolutely where Arkansas should win this football game based on what the stats tell you. Now, stats will lie to you, but that's pretty telling right there. Number two against 14 within the league, Arkansas needs to line up and just wear them out at the line of scrimmage.
1: And I think stats are a little misconstrued for the first couple of games. But when you're seven games in and you showcase what they've done to this point, as you just pointed out, the worst in the league, outside the top 110 in all of college football, it's pretty evident that your defense isn't that good Stop in the run. So again, Arkansas, Sam Pittman, and Cody Kennedy should be telling their offensive line, you should dominate this game this week. Now, Nate brings up, when you compare last year to this year, Nate texts in, he says, Auburn was a fourth game in that long stretch last year. This year, You play him after a bye. That's the difference he sees. Now, you do have to play these guys on the road. And Jordan-Hare Stadium is one of the more underappreciated venues in all of college football. Weird things happen at that place. You think about what happened in 2010 when you had, I want to say it was your all-SEC safety, Tremaine Thomas, that punched the ball out of the goal line that... They somehow, some way, still called an Auburn touchdown. Or when Nile looked like he was down when his knee was down, they said it was a fumble. Twenty thirteen dudes get stuck in an elevator, and then we know what happened in two thousand twenty. The Bo Nicks, the box spike that wasn't called. It's just an odd place to play, and it seems like that breaks go against you if you're an opposing team.
3: You like trivia questions, so let me. Ask you, when's the last time Arkansas beat Auburn in
1: regulation? So you beat them in 2015 in overtime. The last time that you beat them in regulation would have been 2012. Yeah, yeah. And the last time you beat them on the road too. You you beat them pretty handily that game. That was John L. Smith, 24 to seven. Tyler Wilson. That defense forced five turnovers that day. It was pretty. I think Rasner ended the game with an interception. That was. And you had like seven or eight sacks too. I mean, defense just hounded. Yeah. I think it was. I think it was Kyle Frazier might have been the Auburn, quarterback. Then.
3: Auburn was really bad then, and obviously made a, made a coaching change. But that's how lopsided it's been for a decade. Arkansas won one of these games, and it was in four overtimes. That was the, you know, that's how close this is to being skunked for ten years. Mm-hmm. Auburn is not the kind of program that you should be going a decade without beating. I mean, I know you got the like you said the four overtime win there in fifteen, but. Um, Arkansas needs to right this ship uh, this year. This, this, this is ridiculous. Yeah,
1: you got to do it. You, gotta, you, you should beat them this year. This is a game that you should win. Cross off another box for Sam Pittman of streaks. You haven't beat these guys since 2015. Had not been on the road since 2012. Might as well knock another streak off this year, Tommy.
3: Hey, we're brought to you by The Fence Man, the company you can trust in any fencing, gating project that you might have, work or home. If you've got an idea for your backyard or maybe you want a, a fence around your entire property. Um, they can do that with the fence man. Maybe you need, you know, you want a nice looking wrought iron fence in the front or that look. They've got different options on that. And then maybe there's part of your yard that's uh, through uh, vegetation, trees and stuff that, you know, a nice looking uh, high end chain link fence would, would work for you. 782 3936 They got a variety of options. Powered automatic gates. Maybe you bought a home or a business that has... Powered automatic gates, but you don't know who to call to service those gates. Call the fence man at 782-3936. From repairs to new installation to construction, they do it all. When it comes to fencing, the fence man knows what he's doing. 782-3936, the fence man.
1: He ain't afraid of no work. So I wanted to go to the game last night so I could give somewhat decent insight on what I saw. And you're welcome to call or text in if you have a question like Jimbo and Stamps does. He said, Ty, who is the player that surprised you last night? I would say Joseph Pinion. So he checks into the game. And I'm kind of wondering how how quickly does he get off a three-pointer? I'm not kidding. Within about 15 seconds of when he checked in, he banged a three from the top of the key. Then he banged three more of them to go four for five last night. He is a lethal shooter that has been that way since his days in Moralton in high school. Now, is he going to play a good chunk of minutes this season? Probably not. But could he be used in a crucial situation against a zone or in a late game situation when you need a three? We'll see how the rest of the season goes. But he at least it showed last night in his first exhibition game as a true freshman that he wasn't afraid of that particular moment. We'll see how he handles better competition in yeah. the coming weeks. How does
3: he do against power five defenders, if you will? How, do, how does he do with a, with a longer, uh, bigger wingspan defender on him You know, when he's trying to shoot from the elbow or the corner, in fact? Guy can shoot, but you know, how is it going to be when you got a hand up in your face? Can you get set and get your shot off before the ball even gets to you? That, that's what coaches talk about is, are your feet set and are you ready to shoot when the ball arrives? I think he's got those skills, but we'll see what happens when, you know, you get into the into Maui and is there going to be opportunities for him to play there? And certainly uh, when you start late December with, uh, I think, LSU's your first SEC game, you know, how does it go when you get to that level of defender?
1: So last night, Anthony Black was your starting point guard. And then Devontae Davis came in and was your primarily second ball handler. And I'm assuming that's going to play out like that the devo's going to be kind of that second guy nicks going to play a lot of off ball not to say that he can't dribble and get on the run we saw in play so he had a great pass to anthony black that resulted in probably the best play of the night a bone crushing dunk on the defender a bone crushing i mean dunk. just just baptized him last right. night it was unbelievable. that was the call that you we played at the top of our open it was a tremendous play and you're going to see a lot of those connections i was really fun to watch anthony on the break i mean he is One of the more unselfish guys that you're going to ever watch in a Razorback uniform. He is always looking for his teammates, rarely looking for his own shot. We'll take it if needed, but it is fun to watch this team in fast-break situations last night.
3: Okay, so based on minutes, based on who started, based on those things, can we pretty well settle in on who the seven are that are going to play the bulk of the minutes this year? The five that started Brazil, Graham, Walsh, Black, Nick Smith Jr., and then Ricky Council and Devontae Davis. Would you say that's your... Your seven-man rotation at this point? Maybe there's an opening for the eighth
1: guy that will play? Yeah, I think that's maybe a little premature because I think that must still wants to see what the Mitchell twins do. Graham's got to be a better defender. He mentioned that in his post-game press conference last night. He only got
3: 11 and a half minutes, too, last yeah, night. So I think he, that's worth pointing offensively, out.
1: Offensively, he's got your best arsenal of post moves down low. He's very difficult to guard with the things that he can do. Defensively, he needs work. I, I I wonder if the Mitchell twins, from a defensive perspective, will impact. I mean, there'll be some bigger guys. Jalen's about 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, He's going to play some 6'10", 6'11", 7-footers at some point, and how he handles that defensively. If they're getting pounded down low, you might see the Mitchell twins crack more minutes mm. in that. I think I think it's interesting, but would you say –
3: I agree with what you're saying. I wasn't there, so I'm on you on that. Brazil, Walsh, Black, Smith, who are the three locks? If you had to say three guys Black, are locked
1: in, Smith and Black. Black, Smith, Brazil. If I had to okay. pick three players right now, not, Sediment not Stone, those three guys will start. Okay. If, which if means, not for injury every game this year. Which means in games where you need a third guard and that
3: front rotation, it could be different versus last night they started, you know, three forwards or,
1: or front court guys. That's the luxury that Eric Mossman has with this basketball team is there's a lot of different lineups that he can have this year, but they all provide length. Uh, a good chunk of them can provide defense. He can go more offense. Is he needed? I can tell you right now my favorite player is going to be Ricky council. I thought that in the offseason. I think that it's going to continue to be that way. There's going to be a lot more highlight plays this year than you saw last season just because of the athleticism Arkansas Liberty, 3 o'clock next weekend inside of Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. We both misspoke earlier. The CBS game is the Georgia-Tennessee game in Athens, and the Alabama and LSU game will be that night on ESPN.
3: Just so used to Bama lsu and this was announced a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, Georgia-Tennessee will be the CBS game. Either way, the point that we were making is valid that the nation's eyes are not going to be on the Arkansas Liberty game. It's kind of buried and hidden underneath the, the premier game of the week. I think it's the worst time slot you can be in. From a TV standpoint, it's the, the SEC Network game at 3. The only thing can be worse would be in that time slot on the alternate channel. That'd be the only thing worse that could be done to you.
1: Well, that's a great college football Saturday when you have the Tigers hosting the Tide and then the balls going down to Athens, which could be the premier game of the season in the SEC East. We'll hopefully get a, a good matchup in both of those. Right now, I bet Saracen, Arkansas is a four-and-a-half-point favorite, Tommy, over the Auburn Tigers. Right now, the line's shifting in favor of the Razorbacks getting more and more uh, or getting less points in this one. They're going to have to score more in order to cover I wonder if that's just the betting public or if there's something else that is in play on this. Arkansas is a better team. I mean, you
3: got to go down, you can't have self-inflicted mistakes, penalties, turnovers, the things that have plagued Arkansas you know, this year at times. So, uh, yeah, I think the reason the line's where it's at and moving the direction it's moving is people recognize Arkansas is the better of the two teams.
1: This just feels like a game that Arkansas should handily win and yet it's going to be a closer game. Stearnier Stadium, brought it up all day. Weird things happen in that place. I hope Arkansas wins this game handily, but I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think the win, I just don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. I'd love for Auburn to let go of the rope at some point in this game.
3: Haven't won at Auburn since 2012, so... um... You know, it's it this it, it's just amazing how lopsided this has been over the last ten years. When all I know, I know, Arkansas has had its Chad Morris days and it's had some some lean times, and Gus wanted to port on Arkansas at times. But um, let's not pretend like Auburn hadn't had their down moments either, uh, in, in probably smaller servings than the Razorbacks. But you know, eight of the last nine have went the Tigers way, and that one win was a 2015 four overtime victory. That's uh, <laughs> That's just unacceptable. I mean, Arkansas should never be in a point losing that handily over a decade to, mm-hmm. to Auburn.
1: 2010, you played him pretty close after Ryan got injured. 2011, you beat him. We all know about the Joe Adams pitch that he took 92 yards to the house. 2012, you beat him at their place. And then 2020, 2013, it's 21 all at half. Nick Marshall comes back in. You don't score in the second half. Uh, 2014. You, uh, you lost. That was 2014. Excuse me. And then 2015, like is saying, the quadruple overtime game that you'd love to, love yeah, to like, go back and relive. Like seven of the last nine,
3: Auburn's been ranked. You know, 2013, they were number eight, number six, and in, in 14, uh, ranked 21st in uh, 16 and 17, ranked in the top 10 and 18. So. You've just played some good Auburn teams. Arkansas hadn't been ranked much in this series as of late, but they uh, they were last year when Arkansas kind of spit the bit in that thirty
1: eight twenty three loss in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. That was the most disappointing game last year, in my opinion. It's not close. See, it I felt... think
3: I think it's twenty sixteen when you had seventeen versus twenty one and Bielema goes down there and just
1: lays a dozen eggs fifty six to three. I mean, it was just terrible. Yeah, well, and that's relative to the recent history. I'm talking about. Last year's games, that was the most disappointing of any performance you put up. Traylon had two touchdowns in that game. He made Bo Nix look like a Heisman Trophy contender. Bo Nix, who I know is having a pretty decent series, uh, season at Oregon after they got clobbered by Georgia in that opening game, but it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Jimbo Fisher on the latest Texas A&M loss. No one's happy. I promise you that. Great insight, Jimbo. Is that the most disappointing team in all of college football preseason top ten? Now might not make a bowl game this year.
3: And I think their troubles are getting worse. I was reading a tweet earlier from Billy Lucci uh, with Techsags down there that they've suspended. Uh, let's see, let's see what Billy said here. Uh, four A and M players have been suspended indefinitely by Jimbo Fisher, all true freshmen. But uh, I mean, it just tells you you got more internal problems, discipline issues. Uh, that tweet was from uh, ten eighteen last night. So A and M, you know, those are the little drips that become pores uh, in a, in that program. But again, the number to go back to, the stat to go back to, the buyout right now is eighty five million and change. He's not going anywhere.
1: Right now we're eighty five million dollars. Let's look at this. So they just lost to South Carolina, and they're. Three and four, correct? Mm-hmm. They've got Ole Miss this weekend at home. Three and five. I don't, I don't think they're three and five. Could be. Very well could be. They host Florida. That's a toss-up game. Depends on what Anthony Richardson shows up. So four so and five. to say four and five. Them. Auburn at Auburn. I'll give them that win. Five and five. they They'll win UMass of six. They'll lose to LSU to, to back end. So Makes it'll be six thing. and six
0: mm-hmm.
1: this season for a coach that I think is the third highest paid coach. Maybe fourth. You've got Kirby, Nick, and I think Dabo that make more than Jimbo. The fourth highest paid coach in all of college football, I think, is going to go 6-6 and by our metrics and our guess.
3: Well, you know, if you just had better recruiting grounds, oh, wait. They're in Texas, right? The number one
0: recruiting class in the country (laughs)
1: last year. Oh, wait. Yeah. So what would cause them to fire? You said he's not going anywhere because of that eighty five million. Eighty five million. I don't care how much money you think someone has, eighty-five million
3: dollars will make you pause and think about it. I I think there's other staff changes, coordinator changes, uh play caller. You know, he's been his own coordinator and play caller. Maybe that's the the next step. He'll have to relinquish some control, agree to some demands. Maybe they renegotiate
1: part of that buyout, but it won't be significant. You know. This feels like what happened to Gus at Auburn. This is almost the exact same thing that happened Except to Gus, Gus was
3: beating their rival and Gus was winning games of consequence in in the most recent year. Now you can say, Well, but Crafty beat Alabama a year ago and the, you know
1: doesn't take long to fall from grace in this league. Sure doesn't. Gus beat Nick in 2010 as the OC, 2013 as the head coach, 2017 as the head coach, and 2019 as the head coach. Jimbo's got one win against him. Yeah. Big difference on that. Gus did beat him head to head a good chunk of times. He, like Hugh Freeze, kind of managed to figure out how to carve out a few wins here and there. But this, this tempo, was this how they feel, did it a lot of the time. This feels exactly like Gus Malzahn renegotiate the buyout the mm. contract, relinquish play calling duties. And see but, what happens. Let me
3: ask this question: I'm Jimbo Fisher, I'm his agent, I'm in his camp. Why would I agree to any renegotiation of the buyout? I'm not saying it's not going to happen, and you know I, I brought the idea to the table because we've seen it. But why would you do that? That's your leverage. That you know that's the one thing that's that is your two
1: aces up the sleeve. I think it's the same reason that Gus did it: keep his job. It,
3: yeah. No one wants to get fired. No one wants to wear the collar if I was fired from that job. Everybody wants to leave on their own terms. $75 million after next year, some, somewhere in that neighborhood, That that's kind of, I, I still feel like I'm leaving on my terms with that kind of money. Now, I don't believe his is a lump sum like Kevin Sumlin's was. I think his is paid out over time, but there's also restrictions on that. you got to be looking for a job. you got to find some work that's deducted, but is still a pile of money for A&M to come up with or oh, even over time. I think if they don't make a bowl game, he gets the can. I don't disagree with that. I just think it's 85 say it 85 million. It's not monopoly money. That's real money. A lot of oil money in College Station. Oil's not that expensive compared to it, it, you know, oil's what, 80 bucks a barrel right now, somewhere in that neighborhood? I think they let him go. I think we, can, I keep, we, come, we come back to that. They lose an LSU. Uh, they just LH LH spent $500 million on their stadium, too. I mean, I don't know how much of that's still in debt and how much they're paying for. They got a huge endowment, but... <sighs> 85 million bucks. Oof. You know, what do you want to do with Ross Bjork? We were talking about this yesterday. <sighs> what order does that go in?
1: Fire the coach, then fire the A D, then what do you do? Well, I it may, might be one of those situations where the board's like, Ross, you gotta fire this guy. And maybe he doesn't want to do it and then he gets canned. And well, then, but, then, but who are you gonna let the A D you
3: want to fire hire the next coach? You you can't afford to sit and wait for months on this. You got a recruiting class to, to contend with. I mean, the rules the, the rules and the calendar put you in a box here a little bit. If you're if you're at the administration at A and M, you should. And now we're the- at a point with these kind of buyouts. It's not just the AD that gets fired. It's not just the coach that gets fired. It's the chancellor or president that also generally loses their job because they're the ones that have signed off on on these level of buyouts, these kind of extensions. So, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. We hey, Arkansas has lived through some of this, so we. We know exactly. Uh, you know, don't be throwing too many stones in glass houses. Arkansas has been down this road. We've seen the errors of our own way. We're just kind of hoping AM makes some of those same ones. All right, that's your SEC update. It's brought to you by Ashley Air. Cooler weather is already here. Is your heat working? You know, this is the time of the year that, hey, you got to get uh, that heat on at night and that air conditioner on during the day. They can make sure your air and uh, your uh, heat is running perfectly right now with their fall tune-up for $69. A train technicians come out Make sure you're ready to go for those colder days that are ahead. On game day, call the Hogs. When your heat needs prepared, call Ashley Air. Get your $69 fall tune-up right now. Go to AtchleyAir.com to schedule yours. That's AtchleyAir.com, proud sponsors of Razorback
1: Athletics. I want to touch on the basketball game one more time before we go here on a Toyota Tuesday. Eric Musselman, very prideful of how you play defense at the U of A. Here's what he said last night. If you want to get on the floor, you're going to have to play defense with us. We're going to demand it even, you know, like obviously the the last game in Europe, we played as bad as good a defense as I've seen a team play. And I thought tonight we were really good. But, um, you know, the level of competition changes drastically on Saturday. A couple of things they did last night. They ran that man kind of press where it's basically just pick up the ball handler as soon as he gets it. They even ran some half-court press, and they also ran... And shocked me and Bob who were sitting next to each other. Out of the timeout, they ran zone, which I don't... I
3: heard that. on. I heard Sim I, talking about that. They've made some substitutions
1: in order to run the zone. I was blown away, but they did that. That's, he's, game, hey, that's a game you work on stuff. He's going to use a variety of defensive principles and philosophies that he might maybe have never used or consistently used before. He's probably used them over his time as coach just because of what this versatile lineup and team provides to him Don't on a read. weekly basis. Don't read
3: too much into last night. There, there'll still be a team that, I'm not saying they won't run zone ever, but they'll be 85% man this
1: year. I, I think bet. you'll see them press a little more than they have in years yeah, past. They have so much length.